That is the call from Jesus. Whoever, any person, come to Me, He says. That's the call in our text today. And that is the call that goes out across the world. Turn to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn from serving yourself. Remove those idols that you have enthroned on your heart and turn to Me, the true and living God. Jesus tells us that He is the light of the world. But there's a contingency. That light has not come to every person, but He says, whoever follows Me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus gives this call to a people that just celebrated their ancestors being led by God in the wilderness for 40 years. They were led, as we've talked about, by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. And Jesus comes here and He says, whoever follows Me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We turn Again, to John chapter 8, we will include verse 12, the verse we looked at last week in our passage, and we will go all the way today to verse 30. And I want to read the whole passage so we can see this story, see this narrative unfold that we will look at today. John chapter 8 and verse 12 is our text. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to Him, You are bearing witness about Yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about Myself, My testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither Me nor My Father. If you knew Me, you would know My Father also. These words He spoke in the treasury as He taught in the temple. No one arrested Him because His hour had not yet come. So He said to them again, I am going away and you will seek Me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will He kill Himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you, you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent Me is true, and I declare 
to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the... So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that nothing of authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Many believed in Jesus. He stands up, He begins to preach, and there's people there that when He began to speak, they did not believe. And when He was done, they believed. When He began to speak, they were not forgiven of their sins. They had not received eternal life. They still walked in darkness. And by the time He was done, they had been granted eternal life. They'd been forgiven of their sins. And they now walked in the light. That was true 2,000 years ago. And that can be true here today in this church. You can leave here not a believer, not trusting in Jesus, not having your sins forgiven, and you can walk out according to the words of Christ, forgiven and free in Jesus. That is the power of the Word of God. We see this call from Christ. He says, whoever follows Me, whoever, any person that would turn to Me, this call is universal. It goes out to all men. Anyone that would turn to Me, He says, will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we consider the call to follow Jesus, the first thing we see here is that it is a a call to follow and see. It is a call to follow and see. He says, whoever believes in Me, whoever follows Me, will not walk in darkness. What that means is that apart from Jesus, we walk in darkness. And this call goes out to have your vision renewed. To truly see For the very first time. Why is it that sometimes we can remember weird stories from a long time ago that aren't really that important? Does anybody have a memory like that? I don't remember a whole lot from the fifth grade, but there's this story that has stuck with me. I don't know why. Uh, I remember my teacher, her name was Mrs. Baca. And I remember that because she would tell us that her name in Spanish meant cow. And she had married a man and his last name was Cow. Um, But that's not the story. But she told us this story uh, about when she was about our age, she was 10 years old or so, and she had poor vision. And her family didn't have a lot of money, so she didn't have glasses. And, and you know, when you're raising kids and they have poor vision, sometimes it's hard to figure that out because that's just how they've always seen. Uh, they realized that her eyes were not that great, so they took her to the doctor. And for whatever reason, the story has stuck with me. That that day when she got her glasses, did the test, they, you know, you have to wait a couple weeks, the glasses come in, and she went outside. And she said, for her whole life, trees were these big, blurry, green blobs that kind of swayed in the wind. Right? But for the first time, she saw leaves in detail and all the intricate individual leaves, and she saw God's world in a way that she had never experienced. She had new eyes. She had real eyes, right, for the very first time. And it was, it was like a new world to her it was opened up. She finally saw reality as it was meant to be seen. Her vision was renewed and repaired. And she could see. 
not realizing in the past how much she was missing, right? How much she really was not seeing. And this call to follow Christ is a call to see. It's a call for us to have sight or vision truly for the very first time. To see that we live in God's world. right? That He is our Creator. That He is the one that planted us here. That we're actually made in His image. We bear His likeness. We have dignity and value because He made us like Him in some fashion. He's, he's made us in His image. That He actually put us here for Him, to glorify Him, to serve Him. It's an opportunity to see everything in a new light, to finally see reality clearly for the first time, to see with clarity. It's like a man that walks into a room with, with dark sunglasses on, and he can see, but it's not clear, right? Sometimes we see those movie stars, and they get up and they accept an award, and they have dark glasses on inside. I don't know if you're like me, but I always say, take your glasses off, right? You're in, you're in a building, but you can't see indoors with dark glasses. They're meant to shade the sun. But apart from Christ, He says, you walk in darkness with an inability to clearly see. There's a veil over their eyes. And sight is so valuable, right? It's so important. I spoke to my grandmother this week, and she has lost her vision in one eye. And the other eye is failing, and, it, and she could kind of see out of it. And they did a, a procedure where they removed a cataract, and they gave her a new lens. And when I talked to her, the eye was still swollen, so she couldn't see out of either eyes. And she was nervous, because the reason that she can't see out of this eye is because they did the same procedure a couple years ago, and they blinded her in her eye. So right now, she's blind, and she's wondering, is this vision going to come back? And these last year or two has been very difficult for her because she can't read. And I know many here understand that, right? When your vision begins to go, we understand how important it is to see. And this call to follow Jesus is a call to truly see with unveiled eyes God's world for the first time. Who I am, why I'm here, what is wrong with me, how I should operate with my fellow man. You know, sometimes people say that that studying theology is just not practical, right? It's just all of these big words and it's technical and, and what's the point? I just want to love Jesus and that's enough. And, and I, I get that thinking. I understand it. But I think here is a, is a helpful piece of theology that helps us understand people that we interact with. Because we all have people in our lives that don't know Christ, right? That don't know the Lord, that are not believers, and at times we wonder, why can't they just get it? Why can't they just see it like I see it? I could tell them the facts over and over and over, but they just can't seem to understand it like I do. Why are they missing it? How come they can't see how good Jesus is? And He tells us here, they walk in darkness. Turning to Christ, we need to have our vision renewed. We need to be given new eyes to finally see this call to follow Jesus is a call to follow and to see. To take that first step out of darkness and in the light. But the people that He's speaking to, at least the leaders, at least the vocal ones, as we've seen, they like to push back on Jesus' teaching. 
we see as this story unfolds, as John unfolds, that tension and hostility for Christ, it just, it's just heightening. It's just becoming more and more intense where it's more and more difficult for Him to minister. Of course, that all climaxes in the cross when He's sent to be executed. But we see here uh, their disagreement and their argument. Look back with me in the, in the passage at next verse, verse 13. So the Pharisees said to Him, You are bearing witness about Yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about Myself, My testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge. But I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. The call to follow Jesus is a call to follow and see, but it's also a call to follow and trust. Take Him at His Word. To trust that the things that He says are true. And this is the, 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 the starting point. This is the one thing that the Pharisees refuse to do. They refuse to take Him at His Word. They refuse to trust the things that He said. They actually do the opposite. Right? Every time He has something to say, they have an argument. They question, they challenge his motivations, his words. And here, they don't question what he says, but they question his ability to even speak for himself. Right? To speak with any sort of authority. You can't testify about yourself because you stand on your own. They're, they're appealing to the law. Again, uh, they're, they're appealing to the law wrongly. This aspect of the law was referring to capital punishment. That there needed to be two or more witnesses if a person was brought forth to receive capital punishment. And that needed to happen during a fair trial. But neither of those things are true here. There's no capital punishment taking place and there's no fair trial or hearing taking place. But Jesus plays ball. He goes along with their accusation that He can't bear witness about Himself. And He says first that you judge according to the flesh. I think we could see that in two ways. They judge Jesus as a man. They see Him as a person in the flesh. That's all they can see. That's all they can grasp. As He just said, they walk in darkness. They don't have an understanding of who He truly is, but they also judge according to their nature. Their carnal nature. Their fleshly nature. That's all they have to judge with. And Jesus says, I need no higher authority. Who is He going to appeal to? What human court, what human uh, authority is higher than Jesus that can, that can affirm who He is, that can bear witness to Him? He needs no other authority. He's God Himself. But He says, because you bring this up, because your law calls for two, it is not just I that bear witness to Me, but it is My Father. 
God the Father bears witness to my ministry and to my identity. I want to look at a couple examples of this so we can see what he speaks of. So hold your place in John, and if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 3. Matthew chapter 3, a, a known, maybe familiar story. It is the baptism of our Lord. Jesus Himself was baptized. <clears throat> Not because He needed to be forgiven of His sin, but He tells John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness, that He would fill every aspect of the law. John, uh, Matthew 3, verse 16 And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we have here this picture of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit at one location, at one time together. God reveals Himself. Uh, The Father speaks from heaven. The Spirit of God descends like a dove. It wasn't a dove that came down, but gracefully like a dove descends on the Son. And the Son is then anointed with the Spirit. And the Father calls out, This is My beloved Son. This is the Son that I love and hold dear. This is my only begotten with whom I am well pleased. I am proud of His ministry. I am pleased with the mission that He is about to set forth. I am happy with my Son. We see the Father here speaking from heaven, declaring, testifying to the ministry of Jesus, affirming that He is pleased with all that Christ is doing. As we go back to John, if you would stop uh, in Luke chapter 9, another example. Awesome, and and I use that word sparingly, but awesome story here of what we call the transfiguration. The transfiguration, 9, 28. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after these sayings he took with him Jesus did Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray and as he was praying <clears throat> the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white and behold two men were talking with him Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One, listen to Him. Again, Jesus says, It is the Father 
who bears witness to me, to my ministry, to my identity. And here we have a story, an account of the Son on the mountain, and He is transfigured before the eyes of His, of his disciples. Uh, in, in a moment's time, the, the veil of His humanity is opened, and they see His glory. Right, His clothing is like dazzling white. It says His face is altered. And here again we have the Father speaking from heaven. This is My Son. And here He says, My Chosen One. The One that I have sent. The One that I have anointed. This is My Messiah. This is the Savior. And He adds more this time. He says, listen to Him. Obediently follow Him. Trust His words. You can believe what He says. You can respond to Him in faith. This is My Son. My Chosen One. Listen to Him. It's not just those accounts, but all of the miracles, including the greatest miracle, Him being raised from the dead, is the Father bearing witness to the ministry of Jesus, affirming His ministry, working miraculously through the Son. The call to follow Jesus is a call to trust. It's a call to put simple faith in Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said we're to have faith like a what? Like a child. Right? What is that childlike faith? It's a faith that hasn't been wounded and scarred from the junk that we go through in this life. It's a faith that doesn't have all sorts of influences uh, from the outside world, bombarding it with different worldviews, different faiths, different ideologies. It's a faith that it's a faith that has not grown cynical and skeptical after we've grown up in a world full of sin and depravity. It's the type of faith that asks their dad, "Dad, who made this world?" And dad says, "God did." And the child says. Wow. Right? Just that simple faith of a child. The call to follow Jesus is a call to trust Him. And maybe you're here today to hear just this word. Maybe you've trusted Jesus for your salvation. You're a Christian. But there are areas in your life that you've struggled to trust Him with. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your security. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's some other area of your life and you've, you've struggled to trust Jesus with those areas. And today He's calling you just to trust Him, to take Him at His Word, to believe that even though you can't see every moment that He is at work in your life, that He is, that when you're down, that when you're struggling, that when you're suffering, He is there. He sees your plight. He sees the difficult seasons. He cares for you. He has compassion for you. He hears your prayers. He is keeping you and guarding your heart and your salvation for a hope that is ready to be revealed on that day when you stand in His presence. Maybe today, uh, the Lord is calling you just back to that simple trust in Him. Just to take Him at His Word. To believe in the promises of of God to lay aside all of the complications, all of the difficulties, all of the what ifs, all of the question marks that we surely have, and to trust Him. To simply say, Lord, I trust Your Word even when it's hard. 
even when I can't see how it could possibly work, I know you're in control. Excuse me. The call to follow Christ is a call to follow and see, and it's a call to follow and trust. As this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees continues, we see what I believe here are some of the strongest words from our Lord in any of the Gospels. Definitely in in the Gospel of John up until this point, uh, but I think in much of what he says, this is some of the most difficult words. These are words that would have been scandalizing for the Pharisees to hear Jesus make these claims about Himself and about them. And I think these are words, as Christians, have to deeply move us today when we hear them. These are words that should impact our hearts. And I pray that we would hear them afresh today, as in the church we hear the same stuff so many times it could lose its weight. Uh, Look with me. Let me get back to John. In John chapter 8, in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Strong words from our Lord. Strong words for religious people. Consider who He speaks to. These are people that are in church all the time. These are people that probably pray more than any of us in this room. These are people that tithe and gave their alms and fasted and knew the Scripture and read the Bible probably more than any of us in this room. And He says, unless you believe that I am He, and He says literally, unless you believe that I am, that He is added in the English, He's He's referring back to the book of Exodus the same way that God the Father says His name to to Moses and to Israel. I am. He says, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. All of your religion, all of your memorizing the Bible, all of your fasting, all of your praying, all of it is hopelessly empty unless you believe in Jesus unless you're trusting in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. And He warns them that unless they do, they will die in their sins. Now, He of course doesn't just mean that they will die sinners, but they will go on to experience the second death. right? The condemnation for their sin. He's warning these people that they will one day, apart from Him, stand before a holy God, 
and give an account for their lives. They will answer for all of their sin and they will answer, more importantly, for their rejection of Jesus. Paul warns humanity that God right now is storing up wrath against all unrighteousness and ungodliness that He will one day pour out on a Christ-rejecting humanity. Any person apart from Jesus does not have their sin reconciled, forgiven, atoned for, will die in their sin. Now if that doesn't move us, I don't, I don't know what will. The scary thing as Christians, if we're not careful, is that some of these lofty, great truths can become normal to us, right? They become kind of common. Think about the Gospel. God Himself took on flesh, came down to His creation, walked among us, died in our place so that we can be forgiven of our sin. Think about your salvation. What that means for you. The fact that you, a wretch, right, a broken sin, a rebel against God, will one day stand before God righteous in His sight, accepted, beloved because of Jesus. He pulls you out of your sin, out of a life of darkness, of misery, of depravity. And He saved you. He clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus, of His dear Son. And Jesus shed His own blood so that you could be forgiven. That lofty and awesome truth becomes common. We hear it so much that if, we don't, if we're not careful, it just becomes another story. And here we're talking about hell, eternal punishment, that people around us, that we love, that we live with, that we hold dear, that we see every day, apart from Jesus, they will die in their sins. And there's no second chance at that point. There's no other opportunity for them to repent. There's no baptism of the dead. There's none of that. It's done at that point. It is appointed for man to die once. And then comes the judgment. I pray that that truth would never become normal in our hearts. That God would give us such a burden for the reality that sinners are dying in their sin and going to an eternal place called hell. That God would give us such a burden for the lost around us that it would compel us to get past awkwardness. That it would compel us to get past appearances or, or social norms, right? We, what, what do we hear people say? You know, it's just not appropriate in it, most of the time to talk about religion and politics. We're not talking about religion and politics. We're talking about souls and the eternal state of the souls of men and women that will, that will stand before one day a holy God. Now let me be clear that God saves Right? He doesn't need me to save anyone. But let me also be clear. He uses means. And those means are men and women who share the Gospel. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear unless someone tells them? Right? You can't find forgiveness in Jesus by, by being awestruck by the stars, by the universe. They need to hear the Gospel. The call to follow Christ is a call to live. 
a call to live. Jesus says it in the negative. Unless you believe in me, you will die. But I want to flip that into the positive. The call to follow Jesus is a call to live. To not die in your sins, but to be forgiven. Past, present, and future. And maybe you're here today because you need to be reminded of that. That you are forgiven in Christ. If you have repented and trusted in Jesus, then your sin is eternally gone. It's been cast as far as the east is from the west. Everything in the past, everything now, and everything in the future. Gone. Never to be dealt with again. You know, People say, you can't preach that. You can't tell people that their sin is done away with in the future because they'll see it as a license to then sin. What's the motivation? No, yes. Amen, sister. No. That is what carnal, unregenerate people do in the church. They hear that and say, oh great, that's what Christianity is? I can just sin because Jesus is a forgiver? No. A redeemed heart that has tasted and experienced that grace will see that grace as a motivation to live holy for God. Not to spit in His face and sin because we're forgiven. This right here, I know there's, there's a number of us here that have, have a background with the Catholic Church. And this is uh, one of the great dividing lines between Catholic and Christian. Roman Catholics teach that, that forgiveness in Jesus is kind of like a starting point. Because you can do certain things after you're saved and you can go to hell. Right? You can commit mortal sins or uh, deadly sins. And if you don't go to a confessional, if you don't do the penance that the priest prescribes to you, then you will die in your sin. But what does Jesus say? Believe in Me. Believe that I am Him and you will not die. You will live. There is no thing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of Christ. You can't give it away. You can't sin it away. He will keep you till the end. The, the work that He began, He will complete. That is His promise because He is a perfect Savior. What does that say about Jesus? If we can mess it up, if some sin can, can, can cause me to die in my sin, then what I've said is His sacrifice was not sufficient. It wasn't enough to save me. It might have done the past, but now I have to do my part to keep it. But the Word is clear. Believe that I am He and you will not die in your sin. The call to follow Jesus is a call to see, it's a call to trust, and it's a call to live. Praise the Lord that we get uh, in this story. It's not always like that. We hear, we get some good news. Right? We see a response that is positive from the crowds. Look with me in that last verse. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. They were not all Pharisees that had hardened their hearts to the point that they could see God do a miraculous work right before their eyes and say, oh, that's demonic. Oh, let's arrest him. Oh, that's no big deal. Right? There were people in the audience, they had heard him claim, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness. They had heard him claim, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. And they respond to him in faith. They believe. The 
call to follow Jesus is a call to believe. To believe that He is who He says He is. To believe that He is the Savior of the world. And to believe that I need Him to be my Savior. But it's not just once. But it's not just the day of salvation. It's every day that I wake up and remember I am a sinner in need of grace. A great Savior that died on Calvary's cross in my place. Daily in need of grace. The call to follow Jesus is a call to simply believe. As adults, you know, we, we can muddy things up so much. Bob made this point a few weeks back. All of the rules and stipulations that we can add to our faith instead of simply resting in Jesus, believing in Him. The call to follow Christ is a call to follow and see. To take that first step out of darkness and into His light. To understand this world in an entirely new way. To understand myself, my God, why I'm here. What is my purpose in this life? What is my hope of the future? It's a call to fall trust. To believe that His way is best. Whatever He tells us to do. Whatever His Word says. However different it may be from the narrative of the culture that we're being fed, force-fed every day. It's a call to follow and live. To be forgiven. And to walk in that forgiveness. To know that I will not die in my sin. That there is a Savior and He has saved me. And He has granted me a new lease on life. To be born again. And it's a call to follow and believe. To trust Him. To hope in Him. To every day cling to Him. Knowing I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what my, my future holds, but I do know this, that Jesus died for me. Not only did He die, but He currently lives the Bible says, to make intercession for me. He is ministering to me now, every day. May we be uh, those that return to that simple faith in Christ. To just believe, to just take Him at His Word. And to let that be enough, wherever that would lead. Let me pray.